Shabbat Shalom, everyone. You may be seated. Last year, the holiday season felt exactly like it did this year, where Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, and Shemini Atzeret fell Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, and then into Saturday, which made three-day holidays. My wife's cousin was getting married at the end of one of these three-day holidays, at the end of Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah in Texas, and Dory wanted to attend. I obviously had obligations here and needed to be here for the holidays. So Dory went with the kids before the end of Sukkot, celebrated the holiday with her family, and then they went to the wedding, which was on Sunday. For me, it was the first time since our children were born that I had in my own home absolute alone time. But I'm talking real alone time. The kind of alone time that you don't get for 20 minutes or an hour here or there, it was really alone. It was alone without TVs, and because it was the holiday in which I don't drive, I didn't interact with anyone else except here at the synagogue. And I will tell you, it was really an altering experience for me. Because, and I'm not afraid to say this because they know it, I love them with all my heart and with all my soul, but I was really looking forward to them taking this trip. And the first two hours they were gone were magical. I ate all types of food. I left it all on the counter. I didn't clean it up till later. I left TVs on in multiple rooms before the holiday had begun. All the things that I'm normally not allowed to do. But what I realized was that those first two hours were fantastic and short-lived. And the subsequent 72 hours were long and were painful. They were really painful. And the reason why is because while I had desired so much to have this time alone, that we really are not wired and what to do when we have this time alone, especially for an extended amount of time. We know what to do when we have it for an hour or 20 minutes here or there, and those pockets are wonderful. Whether it's being left alone so someone can take a bubble bath, or being left alone so that we can work on the treadmill with nothing else going on. But even those times, often we are interrupted by outside noise, whether that noise is literal or figurative. Sometimes people consider music or the television to be an interference so that they feel that they're not alone. But what happens if you're living your life where you have 24, 36, 48, 72 hours without music, without television, without a cell phone, without a computer, and you're really just alone? How many of us would raise our hands and subscribe to such a thing? I imagine that number might be higher if I asked all of you right now. But when the time came to actually fulfill that time alone for 24 or 48 hours, without interaction, without a conversation, without those outside pieces of technology interfering in our lives, it would feel weird and awkward. But we might develop and mature in our personal relationship, 
and our relationship with God as well. Now, as strange as that is to say, I think we have some texts that prove us in that direction. Today, we read the very first case, basically in the entire Torah, of someone who had the same moments of being alone. And that was Jacob. Shortly after Adam is created, who is created with Adam out of his boredom and restlessness? Eve. And in the story of Noah, when he is put on the ark and all of humanity is wiped out, Noah is surrounded by the animals, by his wife and his children. In the story of Abraham, when he has to leave the land to go to the land that God will promise him, he brings Sarah and all of his family that go with him, including Lot and others. So we always seem to have people with us at all times. Even in last week's story of Isaac and Rebekah, Esau and Jacob, we don't see cases of them being alone. But after the case of Jacob tricking his father, being riddled with guilt and upset, and being forced to leave because he feared for his life because Esau was going to exact revenge, the first case we have in the entire Bible where someone is alone. And Jacob is absolutely alone. And what happens? He goes to sleep, uses a rock as a pillow, and he dreams with God. God is part of his dream, and God is communicating with him. And when he wakes up in the morning, he says the powerful line that says, Surely, God was in this place, and I didn't even realize it. The point that captures my attention is that sometimes in life, we get our best opportunity to focus on ourselves, which allows us to focus on the other by being really alone. But I want you to think critically in your head for a minute. Think over the last days, the last weeks, the last months about times when you were absolutely alone, uninterfered with all of the outside sources that are behind you, that are with you every day. Now, some of you might say, I have it in the car. My car ride to work 40 minutes every day. That's what being alone is. Well, not with Bluetooth. Most of us in the car are wired similarly to the way I am, where we really can't go four or five miles without calling somebody or multitasking and engaging in some form of conversation. And if we're not doing that, we're turning into one of the satellite radio stations that can talk about anything we want, from blue-collar comedy to 80s music that we're singing along with, to some sports talk radio, to something political that we can engage in the debate in and encourage us to call and be a part of. And if we're not engaging in it literally, we're engaging in it rhetorically, back to the radio itself, if not actually calling in. So that's not alone time. What is real alone time? Is it four o'clock in the morning when you want to get some work done, but you put on the computer and you have emails still popping in and you're trying to respond to them and then you're logging on to some other website of checking something else you wanted to look into at the time or finding a good deal before the time runs out? Not alone time either. I'm talking about real alone time. The alone time that Jacob had. The kind of time I had when Dory, even Elias, left the house on a holiday and I was by myself without the television, without the car, without guests or friends coming over, just by yourself. And what happens as a result of that time together? There were two rabbis that most of you have probably heard of. 
One by the name of Rabbi Nachman from Reflach, and the other one by the name of the Baal Shem Tov, who understood this notion that Jacob had of how we find ourselves, and more importantly, how we find God through aloneness. That if we're not alone, we can't get there. So they both had the same prescription. They used to encourage people to go out into the mountainside, way off in the forest, all by themselves, not with a group of people, not with others, not to meet up and talk about their experience, but to literally set off one day and tell everyone, I'll be coming back eventually. No one knew when. They didn't bring with them radios, they didn't bring with them phones, they didn't bring with them paper to write down their thoughts or to journal. It was just them and nature. And a person like the Baal Shem Tov would literally sit in the foothills of the Carpathian Mountains and he would think and meditate all by himself for hours upon hours upon days upon weeks. And it was through that time that he was able to mature in his own soul and develop his desires to fine-tune who it was that he wanted to be as an individual and to really craft his relationship with God, which influenced other people and their relationship with God. And Rabbi Nachman did the exact same thing, encouraging us to find that sense of alone time. On Rosh Hashanah, I spoke to you about a personal story of an inmate that my father had befriended when he was a chaplain in the prison system. His name was Ira Amazon. Ira spent the first 12 years of his incarceration from the age of 18 until 30 in solitary confinement in the maximum security prison in Florida. I had no idea what maximum security solitary confinement looked like, also known, by the way, as death row. Ira explained it to me as follows that 23 hours of your day is spent in a cell about triple the size of this bima. There's a small bathroom and a sink and a small cot and a little bit of room for stretching. Maybe, he said, it's 12 feet by 8 feet. Most of us have rugs in our foyer that are bigger than that space. And you're entitled to recreation time of one hour a day. But the way that the legislation really appoints it is to seven hours a week so that perhaps on Tuesday you get two hours but you get no hours on Monday or perhaps on Thursday you get four hours but you get nothing on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and that's how your recreation times and otherwise you are all by yourself meals come to you doctors come to you visitors come to you you don't leave that space what Ira explained was was that time in that cell during those years, first of all, he said, almost explained how it drove him to a point of hysteria that he couldn't come back from, and that many of the other people in those places got to that point and are now in an irrevocable place in their minds. But the first years were the years where he was able to focus and earn his GED and realize the wrong in which he had committed and pivot his life to make it right. Not to make it right to join society again, but to make it right in his own soul and his relationship with God, which really was cemented over the course of those years. This parsha teaches us many things, but this notion of hitvodedut, of this alone time, is absolutely critical to us. More than the alone time of us getting into the office at five so we can get work done before the phone rings. More than the alone time of the hour at home without kids just to read the paper. But the real alone time, 
to really mature in what our own desires are as individuals, what we want from our relationships with those who are our spouses, our children, our workmates, and that which we desire and hope to make happen in our lives and our relationship with God. We, ironically, are a religion that encourages us to be in community. We're a religion that celebrates a minyan, that celebrates dancing with others, that encourages a chevruta, a study partner, to hear different voices and ideas of the Torah and the text. But at times, we're a religion that really needs hitbodedut, that really needs quiet and alone time, that allows us to focus on who we are, what we want, and how that relationship will be with God. The band in the 70s, Three Dog Night, wrote a song, One is the Loneliest Number That You'll Ever Know. It's true. Those 72 hours without my wife and children were lonely and painful. And it wasn't worth the two hours of solitude that I got that benefited me from all those things that I couldn't do that I was then allowed to. But what it reminded me of was two things. One, how to refocus on myself and the relationships that mattered to me. And two, how to refocus on God. And sometimes taking ourselves away from the noise, the distractions, and the technologies that permeate every possible pore in our lives encourages us to do that. My blessing to all of you is that we find some of that time for hippo dedut, for that aloneness, just like Jacob had, and that it help us in our personal relationships. And most of all, may we wake up like Jacob did and realize that we're in the presence of God. Amen. Amen.